Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Job is only concerned with one thing, his relationship with God. If you really look at everything that he says, the common denominator in everything that he says is, God, why are you against me? I don't want you to be against me. Please, God, show me whatever it is so that there can be a restoration because I cannot have our relationship be like this. That's all he is concerned about. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Job. Despite the horrible things which God allowed Job to go through, Job remained consistent in only longing for he and God to be on good terms. His greatest concern was that he'd somehow lost God's love. Pastor J.D. teaches us that this is what we should all aspire towards, a deep longing to please God and make Him proud. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Job chapter 14 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. If God puts no trust in His saints and the heavens are not pure in His sight, how much less man who is abominable and filthy, who drinks iniquity like water? Certainly he's speaking of Job. This is a description of how he perceives Job impure, wicked, drinking the iniquity like water. Verse 17, I will tell you, hear me, what I have seen, I will declare, what wise men have told, not hiding anything received from their fathers, to whom alone the land was given, and no alien passed among them. The wicked man writhes with pain, all his days, and the number of years is hidden from the oppressor. He is, this is his talking point, and he's sticking with it. In fact, if anything, he's re-emphasizing it more and more emphatically. You writhe in pain, Job, because of sin in your life. Again, he, it has to be. Otherwise, all of his theology is completely destroyed. As Oswald Chambers says, his creed is out the window. It's gone. He needs Job to be a wicked man. That's the only explanation for this. Verse 21, dreadful sounds are in his ears. In prosperity, the destroyer comes upon him. Remember now, Job was extremely prosperous. God had prospered Job exceedingly. He was exceedingly wealthy. And it's kind of like he's rubbing it in Job's face, saying that in prosperity the destroyer comes upon him because of your wickedness, because of your secret sin. That's why God took away all of your prosperity. He does not believe, verse 22, that he will return from darkness, for a sword is waiting for him. He wanders about for bread, saying, where is it? He knows that a day of darkness is ready 
at his hand. Trouble and anguish make him afraid, verse 24. They overpower him like a king ready for battle. For he stretches out his hand against God and acts defiantly against the Almighty, running stubbornly against him with his strong embossed shield, though he has covered his faith face with his fatness and made his waist heavy with fat. Again, he speak, to be fat and heavy, in fact, this is interesting, my mom, I remember as a kid telling me that uh, uh, she didn't want us to ever be too skinny because in the Middle East it was a sign of being uh, in poverty. Of being fat was a sign of prosperity. So <laughs> I'm just going to leave that one right there. That certainly doesn't hold true in our culture. But anyway, if you're fat, that means you're wealthy. Because you have food to eat, and you're eating that food, and that's why you're fat. All right? All right, there we go. I feel a lot better after (laughs) saying that. Okay, where were we? Back to our Bible study already in progress here. Oh yeah, again, he's referring to the wealth, the fatness. Verse 28, he dwells in desolate cities, in houses which no one inhabits, which are destined to become ruins. He will not be rich, nor will his wealth continue, nor will his possessions overspread the earth. He will not depart from darkness. The flame will dry out his branches, and by the breath of his mouth he will go away. Let him not trust in futile things, deceiving himself, for futility will be his reward. It will be accomplished before his time, and his branch will not be green. He will shake off his unripe grape like a vine, and cast off his blossom like an olive tree. For the company of hypocrites will be barren, and fire will consume the tents of bribery. They conceive trouble, verse 35, and bring forth futility. The womb prepares deceit. Did you did you catch all of that? Let me see here, just real quick, just a quick scan here. Uh, Job is self-deceived. Uh, Job is a hypocrite. Uh, Job is deceitful. Job is uh, has offered bribes. I mean, that was just the last few verses. Um, if you're anything like me. This Eliphaz is uh, <laughs> really starting to get to you. And poor Job. I mean, if I'm Job, I don't know how much more of this I can take. Uh, there's more to come, unfortunately. But here again, relentlessly, mercilessly, persistently, He has not only falsely accused Job of lacking any understanding, but I don't know if you caught it, he even has the audacity to say to Job, you deserve even worse than what has happened to you. Worse? I don't know how much worse it can be. I don't have any more children that can die. I, I, I don't know, you know, I, look at me. You can't look at me. You can't make eye contact with me. You know, thankfully, God 
is going to have the final word on this, and even more thankfully, until then, he will sustain Job through this. I really like Adam Clark and his insight on this. He says, poor Job, what a fight of affliction had he to contend with. His body wasted and tortured with sore disease. His mind harassed by... Can you imagine the psychological trauma that he's going through right now? We talked about this last week, that conspicuously absent from everything that Job said was any request for God to heal him physically. That that was never uttered from Job's boil-covered lips. Why? Because Job is only concerned with one thing, his relationship with God. If you really look at everything that he says, the common denominator in everything that he says is, God, why are you against me? I don't want you to be against me. Please, God, show me whatever it is so that there can be a restoration, because I cannot have our relationship be like this. That's all he is concerned about. And can you imagine the mental anguish, the mental anguish of believing actually that God had forsaken him, that God was against him when the Son of Man, the Savior of the world, took upon himself the sin of all mankind. He screamed out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? In the anguish of the cross, as unspeakable as that would have been, the pain, the torture of that cruel crucifixion, And the only thing that was uttered from the Savior's lips was, My God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's the ultimate. That's the ultimate. And that is what is now torturing his mind, his mind harassed by Satan and his heart wrung with the unkindness and false accusations of his friends. No wonder he was greatly agitated, often distracted, and sometimes even thrown off his guard. However, all his enemies were chained. Think about this. And beyond that chain, they could not go. God was his unseen protector and did not suffer his faithful servant to be greatly moved. That's very interesting. That's very interesting. God was even controlling the extent to which his friends could torture him further. And he would sustain Job and see Job through all of this ugliness for as long as it went. God saw him through, and God will see us through, and we, as his faithful servants, will never be greatly moved. I want to quote, before we jump into chapter 16, Oswald Chambers in Baffled to Fight Better, which, by the way, I want to recommend. This is a great read. It's a, a commentary on the book of Job. I realize it's old English from 
the last century, but man, it is just really powerful. And I just want to share with you his preface to this chapter, because it's going to be germane to our understanding of what we're going to uh, read uh, coming up. Here's what he says. He says, up till now, we have seen Job as a sane pessimist. But now we find him on the frontiers of despair. A man may get to the point of despair in a hundred and one different ways, but when he does get there, there is no horizon. In everything else there is hope that a dawn may come, but in despair there is no hope of anything brighter. It is the most hopeless frontier a human mind can enter without becoming insane. An insane person is never despairing. He is either immensely melancholy or immensely exalted. Despair is the hopelessness that overtakes a sane mind. Job is not insane. He's in despair and his despair has given way to hopelessness, and that hopelessness that overtakes a sane mind when it's pushed to the extreme in grief. And that is where Job is at. Now why do I share that? And why is that germane to our understanding? Because God never faults us for despair. Sometimes we in our extreme grief, though we maintain our sanity. In fact, the reason why we are so hopeless is because we're still sane. I mean, if you think about it, if we lose our sanity, what's that saying? Ignorance is bliss? I mean, if you're insane, you don't know, you're too insane to know that you're hopeless. <laughs> You're too insane to know that there's no hope. You're, you're too insane to recognize and embrace that despair in which you find yourself. It's the very fact that he has maintained, even in his extreme grief, his sanity, that he is hopeless and in despair. By the way, replete throughout Scripture, we find men and women of God who came to this place of complete despair. God does not fault them. They come to the end of themselves. And I want to talk about that actually uh, later on. So chapter 16. So now Job's going to answer uh, Eliphaz. And I want you to notice as we uh, work our way through this chapter, I want you to notice that um, th there's a, a progression. You know, it started off, Job was very gracious. Now it's kind of like, oh really? <laughs> Job's gonna, Job's gonna fight back. And good for him. I, it, it, this is getting more intense. And nobody's pulling any punches now. The gloves are off. Listen to what Job says, verse 1, chapter 16. Then Job answered and said, I have heard many such things. Miserable comforters are you all. Oh my goodness, that's a that's an understatement. Miserable comforters? 
Shall words of wind have no end, or have an end? In other words, talk about windbags. Or what provokes you, that you, you that you answer? I also could speak as you do. Listen very carefully to this. If your soul were in my soul's place, I could heap up words against you and shake my head at you, but I would strengthen you with my mouth. In other words, dude, if the shoe was on the other foot, I could do the same thing to you that you're doing to me, but I'm not going to. He says, but I would strengthen you with my mouth and the comfort of my lips would relieve your grief. In other words, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do this if this was, if this were you. Though I speak, verse six, my grief is not relieved. And if I remain silent, how am I eased? This is a textbook case of damned if you do, damned if you don't. But now, verse 7, He has worn me out, speaking of God. You have made desolate all my company. You have shriveled me up, and it is a witness against me. My leanness rises up against me and bears witness to my face. He tears me in his wrath and hates me. He gnashes at me with his teeth. My adversary sharpens his gaze upon me. Notice the my and the his are capitalized. The you is capitalized. He's crying out to God, God, you are my enemy. You hate me, God. Verse 10, they gape at me with their mouth. They strike me reproachfully on the cheek. They gather together against me. Listen to this. He's now addressing his friends that are piling on. And then he says, verse 11, God has delivered me to the ungodly. In other words, Job is saying, God hates me so much, he has brought these miserable comforters, And he has allowed them to torture me even more. Man, he must really hate me to bring these miserable so-called friends to me and allow them to do this to me. And he says, and turn me over to the hands of the wicked. Uh, Like I said, the gloves are off. These miserable comforters, God has turned me over to them, the hands of the wicked. These are wicked men. Verse 12, I was at ease, but he, speaking of God, has shattered me. He also has taken me by my neck and shaken me to pieces. He has set me up for his target. His archers surround me. He pierces my heart and does and does not pity. He pours out my gowl on the ground. I'm not going to go on, uh, get graphic on that. This is insides. He breaks me with wound upon wound. He runs at me like a warrior. I have sown, verse 15, sackcloth over my skin and laid my head in the dust. My face is flushed from weeping and on my eyelids is the shadow of death, although no violence is in my hands and my prayer is pure. In other words, I've not sinned. 
O earth, verse 18, do not cover my blood and let my cry have no resting place. In other words, when I die, don't cover me up until my justice has been revealed. The righteousness of my cause has been revealed and that my my innocence has been revealed. Don't you dare cover me up when I die and let my cry have no resting place. Verse 19, surely even now my witness is in heaven and my evidence is on high. My friends scorn me. My eyes pour out tears to God. Oh, that, listen to this, verse 21, Oh, that one might plead for a man with God as a man pleads for his neighbor. Hang on to that. I want to come back to that. For when a few years are finished, I shall go the way of no return. Okay, a couple thoughts here. First is concerning what he tells his miserable, wicked comforters in verse 5. He basically tells them that if the tables were turned, that he would seek to comfort them and strengthen them. Oh, he's keenly aware of his own potential to do to them what they did to him. But he says, because of my suffering, I I wouldn't do that. Here's the point. He has tasted from this cup of unspeakable pain and suffering and calamity, so much so that it has given him a compassion for anyone that would have a similar fate. And this is something that I'm also learning in my walk with the Lord, and that's how that hardship and affliction have a way of softening us and making us more compassionate to others. I think it was Oswald Chambers that actually said this, and it went something like this. He said that if we knew what that other person was really going through, we would be a lot kinder to them. We'd be a lot kinder to them. If we only knew what they were experiencing and what they were going through, we would be a lot kinder to them. I think you've heard the expression, uh, you don't know what it's like until you've walked a mile in somebody else's shoes. And what Job is saying here is, listen, I, at the time I needed it the most, compassion and comfort and prayer and encouragement. What, what I needed the most you have withheld from me. And I'm going to tell you that if you were the one sitting here on this ash heap, and you're scraping your boils with sharp objects just with the hope of some relief, I would not do this to you. Because I'm on the receiving end of you doing this to me. I won't do that to you. I would comfort you. We're so glad you tuned in to Pastor J.D.'s teaching in the book of Job. There's much more to learn, but sadly that's all the time we have for on today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. In the meantime, you can find more messages from Pastor J.D. by visiting our website at inspiritandtruthradio.com. Subscribe to our podcast while you're there and receive new messages as soon as they're made available. 
Did you know you can take in Spirit and Truth on the go by downloading our mobile app? In our fast-paced world, it's easy to let the time we'd spend in the Bible slip into the back of the line of things to get done in a day. When you download our mobile app, however, you'll have verse-by-verse studies in the Bible available right at your fingertips, ready to listen to whenever and wherever you go. You'll find a link to the app at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Keep up to date with the Midi's Prophecy Updates with our mobile app as well. Each Friday and Saturday, Pastor J.D. shares current world events and how they relate to the end-time prophecies found in the Bible. The information provided is intended to stir in us an urgency to share the good news of Jesus before He returns to judge the world. There's so much to learn each week, and Pastor J.D. does a great job of getting us the information we need. Find out more on our YouTube channel at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Thanks for joining us today, and be sure to tune in next time to keep studying through Job on In Spirit and Truth. Keeping me right with the old ways.